Welcome to The Maker and The Merchant with Fergus Elias and Lee Isaacs. In this episode of The Maker and The Merchant, we have our very first guest. We were absolutely delighted to speak from Mike Boyne of Into Impatstone. Mike is not only an excellent wine merchant, but he also grows his own grapes and makes his own wine. So he seemed like the perfect candidate to talk to us about small-scale winemaking and viticulture. Mike, owner, operator of Bintu, Padstow, Cornwall, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix Legions and the loyal servant to the true emperor, Owen Elias. <laughs> Bintu describes themselves as a wine merchant with a twist. More than just a wine shop, it's a coffee shop, a tapas bar, and a place that welcomes everyone, including children and dogs, with a huge sense of fun and playfulness. We've said before that it's one of the country's best wine merchants, but don't take our word for it. They won Harper's Best Independent Merchant Award two years running, a feat only bettered by Fergus Elias winning the award for producing England's best red wine, which he has only won once so far. <laughs> when not being an awesome wine merchant, Mike can be found posing for extreme winemaking calendars and being irresistible to everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, the inventor of sexy, Mr. Mike Boyd. Wow. What an intro. Crikey. And uh, where do I send the check? <laughs> I literally, I'd like to point out that came straight off the meat of the bat. I sent it straight past the bowler and over the net, over the rope. Wow. Net. Well, that, that, was, that was moving. I, uh, I feel stirred. Mm. Thank you. Uh, way, way, way too generous. And I think uh, un unlike, un unlike most things I write, I think it was all factually accurate as well. I did, um, we'll, I did, yeah, I did put the sexy into sexy in fairness, yeah. You, you did. We'll, we'll get a link up uh, where people get the podcast so they can they can buy copies of your uh, extreme winemaking calendar <laughs> um, 2023. <laughs> Mike, thank you for joining us. How are you? Uh, I'm awesome, thank you. I, I um, Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. I, um, I feel completely unworthy of the invitation, but uh, as I was saying in our little warm-up bit, my, my fear of missing out is such that, you know, I can't resist any invitation even if i've got no qualification whatsoever for being there so uh yeah thanks for having me i'm, I'm okay although i'm a bit of a broken man having spent a couple of days with the cool kids at uh langham winery um sort of kind of helping out with harvest but also just there to pick up what i can learn from people who actually know what they're doing but yeah two days of hard physical graft with people who are quite literally half your age is a way to remind you of your advancing years let me put it that way <laughs> Did you did you feel did you feel the pressure of keeping up with them? Do you know what they um now uh, for on I, I know uh, either in one of our sort of chats or maybe in one of your uh, other podcasts, Fergus uh, uh, referred to the fact he still got it, still loads of press to you know show he still got it, and um, yeah, I've loaded a lot of a lot of grapes into the press over the last two days, and they've got this kind of clean and jerk uh, movement where these twenty kilo. Um, crates are taken from ankle level up to chest level and then you have to do a kind of clean and jerk motion to get your hands underneath it so you can dump it down into the um into the press and the pressure of that moment the clean and jerk about whether you are going to tank it whether those grapes are going all <laughs> over the place that I, I i've not i've not felt pressure like it in a couple of decades but i think i've just about got away with it i missed with one crate went over the top but everyone had the good grace to not comment 
but no, it's cool. It's great. It's, that's what that video was that went on Langham's feed about 25 <laughs> minutes ago, Ferg. Um, yeah. I, I, I wondered who it was because they, they pixelated the thrower's face, but now we know who it is. Oh, it's embarrassing. Well, they said something about old guy throws grapes on floor. Have you seen, have you seen the, the, the Langham Instagram uh, grid? I mean, it's beautiful. It's there's, there's no way I'm ever making it onto there. <laughs> They're also <laughs> you know, chiseled. You know, everybody's sort of complained about the world of influencers and all of the influencers being very handsome and beautiful and, and all of that. I mean, that is basically Langham's feed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're all like that. They, they can't help. You can't help how you look, can you? I've been oh, enjoying wow, watching them, watching their loading of press videos. I mean, the the, the way they do it. I mean, we 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 load by hand um, from picking bins, but we've got a little shoot. So you pick your pick your grapes up and you lean it on the shoot and you just flick it over. It's it's much more efficient though less instagram worthy so i guess i guess that's where i'm fucking up I, I am i am heading to balfour next year for because that sounds like much more a little conveyor belt perhaps a sofa to sit on while i load it i mean uh, well that's you know that's actually my sofa so get the, <laughs> get, get the hell away from that uh, you but, call it a sofa yeah. i mean it's more of a throne isn't it i mean I've, I've been privileged to visit a few wineries and i'm yet i've never met a head winemaker that sort of sits there in a big chair with a megaphone telling people what mm. to do. It's it's a really novel approach actually, to being a head winemaker. I actually made the throne out of tartrate crystals. It was uh, it was it took a long time. <laughs> Amazing, absolutely. I did um, last last at the weekend. I, I did you know a, a morning's picking at B six twelve, and it's an interesting thing because when I've done that in the past, the wine has always been incredible. Oh. So I've picked 2022, so 2022 B612, but I picked for, you know, three or four hours at most, and I really felt it. So two days picking and loading the presses, that's that's going to take it out of you. Yeah, I mean, it does give you an, I mean, j- joking aside, I mean, and again, uh, if there are a wine, you often joke that you've only got one listener. I mean, if that's me, I mean, it's literally just the three of us talking. So I don't know who's listening, but we uh, are sure, the echo chamber. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there are people out there who are winemakers who listen, and they will eye roll at this at the naivety of it. But um, but yeah, just being being there for a couple of days and doing it properly. So I was up at you know half six in the morning with them to you know load the first press, and I was with them at. You know, gone midnight at some ungodly hour when you're still cleaning down and squeegeeing. And I was only there for two days. And it does just give you a sense of, fuck me, that's hardcore. And I don't know how many weeks yours went on for, um, Ferg, but um, yeah, I was there. It, today was the last day of harvest at um, mm. Langham's. Last night, Tommy looked, you know, fit to fit to implode. I mean, he carried on through manfully, obviously, but he looked like a broken man and he's half my age. And uh yeah, it's 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 a hardcore period. So kudos to to those of you who do it properly at scale. Yeah, no, it's 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 fun. I mean, ours ours was not that I'm you know comparing sizes of harvest or length of the vintage, <laughs> but that is exactly what I'm going to do. Uh, compare the, compare <laughs> the girth of the bunches, Ferg. Do it that way. <laughs> no, I mean we started we started pressing on the 16th of September. We finished pressing on the 15th of October. So it was, it was four weeks straight, basically. Wow. How many um, tons in total? 
uh just north of 400 tons so we're somewhere around the sort of four to five hundred thousand bottle mark for this year wow. yeah and i think i think langham would literally a, a shade shy of 100 tons but yeah so oh, that's big for them though that's huge yeah, through, yeah, no, through big, that little big, press yeah big year well that's what i mean it was mm. just a constant cycle anyway very boring for everyone else but it was just impressive just <laughs> and, and it and it, what what's nice press about, yeah what's what struck me about the you know, winemaking since dabbling in it myself um, is mm. just how much it is about logistics and planning ahead about which tank you're going to use and move things into and when and the, actually the winemaking component that most people imagine is is pretty much in the margins it's mostly about plumbing logistics cleaning plumbing logistics cleaning <laughs> but Mike we um <clears throat> sort of touching on it's quite a nice segue in obviously you know in, in the introduction and I think um, you know, most people will know you and, and primarily they'll know you for Bin 2, which is, as we've said multiple times, one of the country's very best oh, independent man. wine merchants. And, you know, I'm not saying that because you're our guest today. I've said that in the past. I, I will continue to say that because it's absolutely true. But obviously now, you know, you, you have a little vineyard and, and you're making some wine. And there's um, this. I always try and get these quotes in where I can to make myself sound educated, but I make myself sound like an even more pretentious wanker than I actually am. <laughs> um, there's a great quote from Albert Camus. Uh, a man's life is nothing but an extended trek through the detours of art to recapture those two or three moments when his heart first opened. So when did your heart no first open? And when did you get the idea of going, I run a wine merchant, that's going great guns, do great job. I know what I'll do, I'll plant a vineyard. Well, um, great quote, by the way. Massively impressed. I feel like I need to come back with something uh, super intelligent to match it, but I, I'd need more notice. Um, uh, well, I, it was actually, uh, it's 2019. It was, um, so we we sort of fell into the uh, wine trade. Bought, we bought Bintu, um, it was already running. We bought it very late in 2013, maybe beginning of 2014. And and came into it with no background in the trade. So the first few years were really all about um, learning the ropes of the trade uh, on, on the job. And uh, and for the first few years, that meant pretty much running steady state as it was. And then as our confidence grew a little bit about what kind of place we wanted to be and what sort of place we didn't want to be, it, um, it, it carried more of our own identity. And I guess then it sort of opened up as I was more confident about the merchant side of things and I'm fighting really hard not to say something about us not being the best merchant in the country I'm working really really hard to um to this uh, is a safe to... space Mike you, you say <laughs> yeah. it's there's, okay there's no judgment here there's no judgment well, here well it's just like um, my mum my mum might disagree but you know it's fine <laughs> she, she likes tanners well well every time someone references the award I'm just I just cringe because I think there are so many mer merchants out there who are just properly mercantile savvy you know really good solid operators but anyway i'm, I'm not going to do it i'm not going to i'm not going to belittle the talk now. but um um yeah so so we uh having sort of felt like we've got the ropes got our confidence with the merchant it kind of coincided with the trip to mclaren vale and tasmania that went on with a, a small group of merchants and it was hosted by uh the late great hazel murphy 
um, who I knew nothing about when we started the tour, met her at the airport and, uh, you know, really kind of unassuming, you know, tiny, tiny uh, character, a um, little bit, you know, wired and off the wall, frankly, I don't think she'd mind me saying it. Um, but when we got to Australia, she was welcome, like, you know, royalty wherever we went. And uh, we got a sense for just how well, well respected and influential she she was. But um, so it's on that uh, on that tour, um, we, we kicked off with a visit to um, you know, the, uh, the cube at Danburg, which was insane. It was the, the completely unattainable end of the scale, massively impressive, you know, Chester Osborne, the only bloke with um, a worse taste in shirts than Lee. Um, better, and, better, better yeah, taste, better, you mean? Yeah, 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 better jokes, better jokes as well. But um, so it worked really well looked after it, and it's amazing. And then afterwards, we thought, crikey, now who's, how's anyone else going to answer that? And we went to a really small winery um called uh uh brush higgins uh which was run by a uh a new york sommelier called uh brad hickey who had moved to australia uh fell in love got married and he had started making wine there and he was at the other end of the spectrum and uh he was making wine in um in clay quivery that had been thrown from clay dug up from his vineyard and it kind of really captured my imagination and um and I just fell in love with those kind of clay pots and chatting to him and about how he'd kicked off I guess that started the wheels turning and I get before that I'd, I'd also popped into um before the trip I popped into Vagabond's urban winery in uh, Battersea and thought well actually this is pretty small and it wouldn't have to scale this down much further until it was um in, until it was something sort of manageable that I could do something with so those were the seeds that were turning around so yeah so um when I came back from Australia my eyes have been open to kind of style of wine that um I, I really loved in Australia not so much the wines that people would typically associate with uh Australia but it was more the enthusiasm for the winemakers for Mediterranean varieties experimenting with and we visited an awful lot of organic and biodynamic producers and increasingly that had been the style of wine that I'd like so I guess all of that gave me the confidence to say, well, you know, why not, you know, give it a give it a bit of a whirl. So um, so I guess that's where the seed was sown. A really long answer. But yeah, it, it all goes back to that trip. So that trip is to blame for the awful things that have followed. Um, but that's that's that Brash Higgins. I remember you had a Zabibo from Brash yes. Higgins, which was yeah. phenomenal. I've still got a magnum of it, actually, that I, I picked up from you. Well, that that, that that wine was ground zero for it, for it all. <clears> that was what was in my head when I thought, well, I want to play around and I want to make something like that. And I want to make it in uh, in clay. And then I got all enthusiastic about you know, Georgian wines and Georgian winemaking techniques. So my my interest in Georgian wine is also rooted in McLaren Vale, which is just bloody weird, isn't it? Um, so yeah, so uh, it's like so, Bilbo Baggins, isn't it? There and back yeah, again. Yeah, so so I guess that's where that's where it started, and it might never have happened really if it weren't for. I mean, where it really took off. I'm trying to get my timeline right, but I think I dabbled a little bit before the um, pandemic um, with, and I guess the game changer was just help and encouragement from people in the winemaking community which I've got to say is just off the scale I mean Ferg has been huge, hugely helpful I've you know chatted to Ferg more recently but you know many, many of say only for a couple of weeks it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. doesn't, doesn't but, sound um, like Ferg to me yeah I, I, I can't quite remember how I became <laughs> friends with um, Nyan Gowder um, uh, online through Twitter and, uh, but some somehow he ended up being my remote wine coach he was in Bolivia and I'm in 
you know, Cornwall dabbling around with some Solaris that I'd rescued from a disused vineyard near Hemel Hempstead and taking it back. And I was just making my first batch of wine and a little 60 litre you know, speedle egg to play around with. And uh, he was literally on the end of WhatsApp in all hours of the day crossing time differences to keep me on track. Um, and then, yeah, just beyond that, I mean, I, I'm, I'm wibbling on a bit, but I guess I just want to stress how um, helpful and welcoming and warm um, the English winemaking community has been. I mean, yeah, people of all scales and sizes have just been incredibly helpful. Tony, Tony Milanowski uh, from Rathfinney, um, yeah, Brad from yeah, Nye Timber, you know, Tommy. I mean, yeah, too, too many oh, you've to got, mention, You've got the really. Bradster on your phone. Jeez, that's big. Well, yeah he won't just... talk to me well he, I mean, <laughs> he would but he wouldn't want to yeah. i mean that that's like uh also i've just got to take a call from uh tom cruise hang on just oh like, well just okay. no, literally i i've got a small eruption thinking about that well i think um nyan <laughs> once made the comment because uh, i ended up making whatever it was you know 70 or 80 bottles of my first um orange wine and he said that there is no wine in the world made that's got more combined expertise poured in <laughs> poured into it <laughs> <laughs> it's not the one you're drinking Fergus. it's what went before it but yeah it was insane how helpful people were willing to be i think it's a bit like um you know when your mate's about to do something absurd and you egg him on go, go on go on and that curiosity to see how badly wrong it's gonna go yeah, that was probably at play. Anyway, I'm, I'm wibbling on, but the final thing I guess that that made it happen was um, lockdown part one, and um, it just created a bit of time and space to sort of reflect on you know, life and um, and also a little bit of literal time and space at home to get things done. So uh, it was born out of that that we thought, well, you know, fuck it, let's just get it done. And my wife Mary's you know hugely supportive. She gave me the sort of leeway to have this ridiculous, um, you know. Uh, mine and midlife crisis plant a vineyard and make some wine um so yeah that's that's the weird combination of events that made it happen i guess Anomaly. so tell us about you oh go on lee no 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 after you did after you. <laughs> okay if you insist uh so tell us about the vineyard itself so what have you got what are we what are we talking here i uh, oh, just feel so it, it feels it was there again wonky it's post vineyard wonky post? Yeah. yeah wonky post vineyard so so cool because i am a bit obsessive about um symmetry and i i'd measured the uh, position for the post about nine times i've done triangulation you know kind of it, it was about it was bob on absolutely bob on and um some guys are here with a digger helping um slam the uh slam the post in because our ground was pretty uh pretty tough and uh and one of the posts one of the posts ended up wonky and my my good mate sean was here with me uh just after it had happened and uh and i was you know showing him and he he uh he he knows me well enough that he looked down the line he said that post drive me insane isn't that? I said, fucking drive me nuts fucking drive me nuts. So, <laughs> so uh so the only thing we could do is just make a thing of it so it's wonky post vineyard um so no it's, it feels absurd talking about it, but you did say you wanted to go to the other end of the scale of big so we're ridiculously small so it's only um at the moment it's only 75 vines i planted um uh, Solaris uh, again that was with a, a, a pretty firm nudge from Tony Milanowski because uh, I'm trying to go low intervention don't want to spray if I can help it and Solaris is you know, really disease resistant and um, mm -hmm. uh, vigorous and healthy and if you get it right apparently it's uh, it's yields are quite good which is handy when you've only got 75 of them so um, so yeah that it, they're just in their second year now so not 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 producing yet uh, not far off though 
Well, yeah, baby vineyard. You're doing well not to snigger, Ferg. But yeah. Oh, no, it's, it's, I like small vineyards. They're much more manageable than big. <laughs> where, um, so, so where, where exactly is it? Obviously, we know you're in Cornwall. We know, you know, Bintu itself is in, is in Padstow, great location. Where, where's the vineyard itself and sort of what, what's its situation and aspect? What's that, what does that look so, like? So we're, um, we're in a tiny little um, hamlet called Tregellist, which is, um, um, it's, I mean, nothing to anyone who's not been down here, but we're about 15 minutes away from uh, Wadebridge and we're about 15 minutes away from uh, Poles Eth on the coast so we're we're very agricultural where we are um, there's only like six or eight houses and the road doesn't go anywhere and our little vineyard is at just a, a little odd plot of land that was the end, at the end of our garden um, a little paddock that uh, that are planted uh, and then beyond that it's just uninterrupted agricultural land all the way to the coast so it's uh it's really nice nicely aligned north south you know slight, uh, slight slope gets loads of sun um, bit bit problematic with the wind, you know, kind of prevailing wind mm -hmm. coming in from the southwest, and there's not much to you know break it up before it hits us. So that, that's um, that's the kind of main challenge. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a nice little space, and I'm already eyeing up the farmer's field that lays beyond it. He's getting on a bit, and he's shown interest in what I'm doing and asking. But are you producing any wine from your own grapes yet? So I'm I'm thinking there might be a conversation to be had about expanding a little that way. But I don't know. We'll see. You say that's how it gets you, isn't well, it? No. Starts off small, and then I know I was I was um, earlier this year. I was talking to Jonathan at, at Welcome Hills, which is is probably the, the closest vineyard to, to where I live. Um, and and he started off, you know, he started off with a, a slightly larger vineyard than, than the one you're starting off with. But it, you know, you look at it now, and you say, well, I, I just I might extend that way a little bit, and then I might have that little bit of land, and then before you know it, I mean, this is this is how the Empire starts in Star Wars. Uh, right, it started kind of off with a moon, and then it was the entire galaxy. It does get you, because, the, because the full the full scale of the ambition was to just grow enough um, grapes to fill my you know kind of big terracotta egg and make you know make one wine from sort of whatever it be you know a couple of hundred kilos uh, a year, and it was just going to be a little kind of project. And I'm lucky that I've got a wine shop, so it's all kind of you know. Um, uh, fully registered and licensed it's a proper commercial um setup but just ridiculously small so so i'm lucky i don't have to go and persuade anyone else to buy it and my my team keep me honest about whether it's actually drinkable and sellable that's the that's the deal the deal is i produce it and they are given free latitude to be brutally honest um but yeah that was meant to be the limit of it and um and already now I've bought a load more tanks and uh, I've got the capacity to make a thousand bottles. So I'm buying in, uh, I'm buying in grapes from elsewhere. And uh, it's like, oh God, how did, how did this, how did this happen? And uh, it's, now taken <laughs> over, it's now taken over the garage. And I'm talking about extending the garage with the kind of carport thing. So I've got a covered area, area for the press. And it's like, this wasn't what was meant to happen. <laughs> 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 it was ever thus though i mean that was that was exactly the plan at hashik when when richard built the winery he was going to make twenty thousand bottles a year of one wine it was going to be twenty thousand bottles of sparkling rosé that's all we were going to do um within eight years he changed it to four hundred thousand bottles across 27 skus and it's well it's it's addictive i remember you talking about this um when 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 you were talking about uh, how you got to where you are and what uh, Lee was interviewing you, I think, about what you like about winemaking. I was really struck by what you said about it's just the kind of creative ele element, you know, crafting mm. something. And I think 
I think that's something that just really appealed to me, something I didn't know I was missing, frankly, just the, uh, the, the kind of, uh, I say this of winemaking and around, not, not of my winemaking, but the, the kind of alchemy of kind of co coaxing, you know, grapes along into wine and just sort of nudging them and nursing them in the right direction and, and producing something at the end of it that is, um, that is you know, drinkable and palatable is just hugely satisfying. And, and at the moment I'm, I'm at the really rudimentary um, end of this scale, super simple, but the fact that um, I was able to produce you know, wines that people seem to enjoy drinking and customers enjoyed and and bought them um, was really, really addictive. And I guess I'm keen now to do more. And you you immediately start thinking about what else can I do that'd be interesting? What can we do to add a little bit of complexity and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, it's just it's just that creative outlet that I don't think I realised I was missing until until I started doing it really. Yep. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, enormously yeah, frustrating no. as well, but yeah. <laughs> oh, it's infuriating. Just you wait till you start getting even the remotest bit of automation in. You will it will drive you mad because it'll never bloody work and you'll just be standing there like huh. I'm so pleased I upscaled. <laughs> I mean, but I suppose one of the you know, you sort of do that that SWOT analysis. Uh, and I don't like doing the negative thing, Mike, but sometimes it's important to sort of be realistic. Um, I think we have to take into account that you're starting this winemaking adventure and you don't have a degree in ancient history. So, you, you know, you are at a significant disadvantage against um, people like Fergus, really. Uh, utterly fucked, mate. I am um, honestly, I, I feel I feel completely without compass. I, uh, I, 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 I can only thank the Lord that I've stumbled this far without without a guide. I, but, um, mm. but, you know, now I've met. No, Fergus, it must be really hard. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, really, really tough not to be not to be able to yeah. pull on a kind of historic quote at the right moment to um, you know muster the troops and mm. you know boost everyone across that Rubicon and you know yeah, yeah, keep, yeah. Things, keep things rolling. You've got your concrete yeah. egg, and just before you open it, you go, "What did? What was it like for Pandora when she did this?" <laughs> and then, frankly, I don't know why all of English wine hasn't just given up, you know, and just been like, "Well." Folks got a degree in ancient history. Why are we fucking bothering? <laughs> <laughs> no, I you don't have one the... of those, do you, Brad? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I prefer to go for the uh, for the route of absolutely no qualifications whatsoever. So uh, yeah, I mean, in in, in doing like it, it. And you, you used the word there, Mike. You know, alchemy. Uh, uh, genuinely, to me, and I've said this before, winemaking genuinely is alchemy. Uh, and uh, again, to use a, a word that you did, I, my understanding of winemaking is rudimentary. I, I have an idea you know I kind of broadly understand what's going on from a bunch of grapes to a glass of wine but I'm not a winemaker it is absolutely magical to me that that happens what was your and as you alluded to you know you've had lots of help and support which it says a lot about the industry that we work in what was your experience of actually doing it before this or was it properly straight in I've not done any of it. I'm just going to figure this out no 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 I had a couple of um, baby steps along the way so um so yeah it's been progressive really so I, I guess first off went nowhere near winemaking but kind of collaborated with some established winemakers who knew what they were doing so we had a kind of um a, a project called uh, kind of jammy git which was a brand name we gained, gave to wines and, and the jammy git thing was a, a playful nod to how lucky i am to be in the trade and jammy git wines were typically something that had sort of fallen into my lap by luck so the first one was a um, a Merlot from a friend's uh, vineyard in Bordeaux, the first vineyard that I 
visited after um, uh, buying bin two and he had this you know, Merlot satin barrel that was nowhere near ready to go. And he was just playing with the idea of making some um, you know, premium varietal wines rather than you know, blending it all out. Anyway, so I tasted it in barrel, forgot all about it for a couple of years. And I'd said to him at the time, oh, let me know when it's you know available. I'll take some of that. And so he approached me in 2014, it must have been, and so it's ready. And I uh, said, so, well, look, why, why don't I buy the, buy the whole you know, barrel and um, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take it off me in one hit. You know, you know, you don't have to worry about the risk of selling it, you know, pay you the right price for it. And um, and I'll brand it in this way. I'll tell your story. I'm not going to camouflage where it's from. I'll tell your story. But, you know, it would be our story as well of how we found it. And we're lucky to get into it. So so that worked really nicely. And then I did a second jammy git wine closer to home with um, Nightall Winery uh, down here in Cornwall, which was a crazy blend of um english merlot and cabernet sauvignon grown by a guy who must be at the uh you know the, the end of the lunatic scale he grows under glass in gloucestershire and i can say that because i'm from gloucestershire originally and they are kind of weird um <laughs> so it was a multi-vintage blend of um you know three uh three vintages that nitro had made that you know we were just, we just happened to be in the winery and this i'm just not quite sure about how they're turning out and and we just started playing with some multi-vintage blends and hit on something we thought, actually, that's genuinely really lovely. And um, their winemaker at the time said, yeah, trouble is no one will buy a multi-vintage blend. And I said, well, I reckon they will. I said, yeah, make, make me up a batch at my risk. I'll, I'll buy it. I'll take on the risk. And and that mm. was Jammy Get number two, a multi-vintage blend. So I guess that gave me the uh, taste for sort of dabbling. Um, then, then I ended up working with um, Trevibin Mill Vineyard. Um, to make a pet nat called Fizzy Bum Bum. And the deal there was basically we, we paid them to use their space and facilities. I'm really grateful to them for that. They didn't charge me anywhere near enough. They must have just been covering costs and materials. And I paid um, Salvatore Leon. Um, I can't remember. I'm not, I can't believe I'm not mentioned before now. He's my you know, guide and guru. But uh, I paid him separately for advice and guidance and made a made a pet nat kind of under his supervision and that was the first thing that really gave me a hint of the choices and compromises that winemakers have to consider so you go into it bright-eyed with all sorts of ideas of what you want to do I don't want to touch any I don't want to intervene at all no no I can play. and then someone who knows what they're talking about just lays out the risks of um, those choices and you start contemplating well actually if I get this wrong that could be a thousand litres of spoiled juice it suddenly makes it much more real and it gave me a lot more sympathy for yeah, some of the tough decisions winemakers have to make. So anyway, um, so made um, made a pet nat Trevibber Mill, and then we made um, yeah three of those. So we made those for three years, and this year is the first year where I'm flying solo, making it in my own ridiculous, absurdly small um, winery with no temperature control and just Salvatore on the end of WhatsApp for me to panic at, going, "Oh, it's not doing what it should do, Salvatore. What did you do at this point in your expensive winery with all the proper kit? Help, you know." Um, so that's pretty much the that's pretty much the roadmap for how it's ended up here. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. That's fantastic. That's the way uh, to do it, though, isn't it? And it's much, it's, it's much more fun than what I do. Um, so I'm I was tasting fizzy bum bum not that long ago. Uh, I'd like to point out that I don't drink a lot of pet nat. But I actually really, but I actually really quite liked it. What I love though is, is um, on the back, um, and we're, we're going to go into winemaking it. On the back, you had uh, yeast, fizzy bum bum. What is yes, the, the fizzy bum bum yeast? Well, it's, it's a yeast. It. It's a yeast called bum bum. So um, I know. Um, 
pet nuts are uh, uh, typically usually made without any uh, added yeast. That was one of the kind of you know compromises that I discussed with Salvatore at the time and um, decided not to leap in and go for a wild ferment and said, well, okay, well, let's let's use some yeast to just get the confidence that the fermentation gets kickstarted and underway nice and clean. And he said, oh, okay, let's do that. And he was talking me through it. And uh, he said, and now we add the bum bum. And I went, yeah, what? Sorry, you can do what? He said, <laughs> well, we add the bum bum. And um, and I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? He said, the yeast, the bum bum. And I said, what, is that a nickname? He went, no, no, it's called bum bum. And he's Italian. He's from um, Sicily. So he's, uh, he's got a beautiful accent. And I assumed I was mishearing him. I said, can you spell it for me? He said, yeah, B-U-M-B-U-M, like the bum. I was brilliant. And... Um, and so the name was born. And so, uh, so it was born because it just appealed to my puerile sense of um, humour. Um, uh, and it was also, there was a serious edge to it. Because I, because I know some people will feel strongly that you shouldn't add yeast to a pet nut, I just wanted to be completely open about the fact that we had. And I couldn't think of a way to be more open about it than making the yeast and the name of the yeast the centre of the story and the centre of the branding um so yeah fizzy bum bum Love was uh, was was born all uh, all based on an absurdly named yeast i don't know what they were thinking i've i've never come across it and i buy a lot of yeast um didn't know that was a thing i'll um, um I, I've, I'll, 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 I'll whatsapp you a picture of the uh oh, please do it, it got covered by um uh, Susie Atkin, i think it was in an article and uh, and you know, I gave her all the kind of backstory that I've just given you. And she, she came back to me and said, look, my uh, my editor has asked me for some proof that that's real. <laughs> so I had, to, <laughs> I, had to, I had to dig out a catalogue to send her the reference. Honestly, <laughs> I'm not making it up. And, um, I mean, and the other thing that made the name irresistible was it, I, I advise you not to Google fizzy bum, but it. it there it's associated associated with a certain sexual practice uh and i my when i started talking publicly about calling it fizzy bum bum my um direct messages lit up with people do you know what that phrase means have you looked at it and i, and I, I had <laughs> but i i then looked at it and they said oh you can't do that it's like do you know what you've just made it even more appealing it's <laughs> irresistible <laughs> it? It, it, it's i made the most... mistake of golly I was going to say it's the most convoluted excuse to to give to Mrs. Boyd about what she's found on your phone. <laughs> um. What a way to do it! Oh yeah, no, I, I, it's for my wine. What wine? I'm making wine now. <laughs> uh, there was also an angle to, and now I I listened to your podcast with um, Polly Hammond. So if Polly is listening. I did listen, Polly. I listened. I love your podcast. Um, and you were talking about um, how there's not enough uh, humour in wine and wine marketing. And I absolutely agree with uh, with that. And so the, the thinking behind uh, Jammy Git and Fizzy Bum Bum, the naming and the brand and the design of the branding, it actually, you know, there actually was thought behind it. I've got a mate who's a you know proper pucker gen designer, not, not somebody just you know got a good eye and, and bought a bit of software. He's a proper trained designer. So he he helped us take something that was sort of humorous and easy to say and people can you know they, they, they don't ever have to worry about whether they're going to be able to pronounce um 
the name of one of my wine, uh, one of my wines, and uh, you can immediately feel warm because it's a little bit humorous, and you can relate to it. And lots of people bought jammy kit because oh, jammy kit, you're a jammy kit, we we'll get you a bottle, you come on for bob, and um, and um, and there was a feeling that if you call something um, you know funny and humorous like that, then it, it devalues it, and um, uh, and that you know you, you wouldn't be able to charge much for it. But we sold the jammy git merlot at 24 quid and it shot out absolutely shot out it walked off the shelf and um fizzy bum bum the last vintage of fizzy bum bum we sold for you know 29 and again it it just you know it it shot out so um i can't remember how we get there but there, there is think there is a there is a sort of serious intent behind what might just seem like you know pure sense of humor there is a sort of line of thought uh, behind it that relates very closely to the conversation you were having with Polly, it should be fun. It should be entertaining. It should be. It shouldn't be always be too highbrow. The products I make aren't highbrow. I make no pretense that they are. So you know, just make them a little bit of fun. I think that's something that that comes through beautifully in in everything you do. Not not just the the wines you created and the brands that you put on those, but that that your very approach to you know how you promote and market and talk about bin two and the people you work with there is that humor there but if anybody just stops for a second to really read it and understand it you can see that underneath you know there's layers of thought about what's going on it's not just oh, i can make a silly joke and and it's a throwaway thing and it's it's kind of striking that balance isn't it i you know i, I we do when i say we you know the whole trade we do take ourselves too seriously and we do get too hung up on stuff and th there are reasons for that, but if we can just break, you know, sort of break the ice, especially directly yeah. to consumers, mm -hmm. and make well, it I mean, more accessible. Yeah, further to that, I mean, I bought I bought wine from Bintu, and I got you get a little postcard with your wine, and on the back of the postcard, you get a joke of the day. Joke of the and day. I loved I loved that. That was that yeah. literally totally unexpected. I just sort of I just pulled out my bottle of Electron and my bottle of Morgan. Uh, Morgan was lovely, by the way. And it's it's a really nice way. Um, uh, and there's just this joke, and it's it's that it's those little things handwritten. Clearly, it's so personal, them. isn't it? It's, <laughs> well, it's so uh, nice. you, you open that, and you feel like you're been to his most important customer. Well, that's um, uh, that's dad joke of the day, and the person behind dad joke of the day is uh, is Susie, who is uh, she's she's awesome. She's our um. Well, we don't really have titles, but she she's the sort of ops manager in the shop, if you like. She makes all the all the wheels turn. And Kate is our kind of uh, she she's always been our general manager. She's you know, part time now after having kids, so she's more on the kind of wine side. And Susie is make the wheels turn. And Susie has a wicked sense of humour, and uh, and that's reflected in the in the joke of the day card. And I I love them too. So I think she just did it as a one off one time. And I said, Let, hey, that's that's just brilliant. That's what we. That's what we now do. So I think she's created a rod for her own back. She has to come up with a, uh, a, a continual fresh supply of you know, dad jokes. <laughs> At some point, we should actually talk about the wines themselves. So I know Ferg and I uh, have both got one of your wines, but a different wine. Um, Ferg, like I said, you've got the, um, the Electron, well, I believe. I have Electron. Uh, and about an hour ago, this was actually quite clear with all the sediments at the base of the bottle. And then I put it in my bag put my bag in my car and then drove home and realized that that was a really stupid thing to have done because now I have a very cloudy wine. So I've got Electron and actually it should come from the horse's mouth. Tell me about the wine. 
what am I what am I drinking here? I'm holding it up to the camera. I keep forgetting this is a <laughs> it's a podcast. Well, no one can see this. <laughs> uh, well, well, um, Ele- Electron is my kind of um, uh, true love, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll spare your blushes, uh, Ferg. I don't think it's I don't think it's right yet. So you can you can be completely um, honest about it. But it's uh, oh, I it's will a, be. It's a, <laughs> no, but I mean really honest, not podcast. Oh, really honest. So it's um uh so it's skin contact Solaris. So it's the wine I had in mind to make uh, after visiting um yeah Brush Higgins and when I bought the clay pot. You know this is what I had in mind. So um so that one had uh, three and a half weeks skin contact uh, with twice daily uh, uh, punch downs. I kind of eased off on the severity and depth of the punch downs I think for the last week and a half and I kind of pressed it uh, cleaned up the egg returned it to the egg and, and aged it in the egg for I think it was like a further 13 weeks um, but because I didn't have enough to fill the egg it was um, it was aged with some ullage some some airspace in the in the tank which is kind of like a big winemaking no-no but the intention was I did want to aim for a bit of a kind of oxidative style can't say the word oxidative style so that kind of almost sort of pheno sherry sort of edge playing in the background and I think frankly on this one I've probably taken that a bit too far and um my I'll be interested to see what you think for taste tasting it my my strike rate with winemakers is about 50 50 with those who think pushed it too too far VA is too high bit screwed mate and those who say this is this is a this is a a brave groundbreaking wine you're a genius you just you just make this look so easy you are a winemaker oh really so so who said that (laughs) nobody (laughs) (laughs) um no i mean i i i i like where you've gone with this i it is it is slightly oxidative by slightly read very but quite not in a, it's not unpleasantly so and what i i mean you've been brave like three weeks i did some skin contact this year just because i felt like all the cool kids were were were, were, were doing skin contact and and i wasn't and i was starting to feel a bit left out so i did some skin contact and i did bacchus and it was on skins for three days and then i panicked and took it off the skins <laughs> uh, <laughs> so three weeks three weeks is impressive but the color is phenomenal you've got a genuine orange wine whereas my bacchus just looks slightly murky um so that's a good start um i think the structure is nice i like the alcohol it, is it genuinely 13 percent? yeah nice. it is yeah the fruit came in it i think it was like 93 ursula so uh so yeah yeah no great weight um interesting structure there is there is a bit of ba there is a bit of oxidation but actually in a strange way it kind of all works quite well so you can put me on the on the I like it side of the winemaking spectrum. Um, it's not something I'd make, but it's quite cool. And I'd, I'd, I could enjoy this with some cheese. That, that's it. Yeah, it was made with deliberate intent that, you know, don't even think about having it unless you've got some cheese and charcuterie and uh, i had in mind enjoy the one. Like you would uh, enjoy it like you would a sherry. You know, you want some nuts, mm. you want some olives, cheese, charcuterie. Yep. Um, so yeah, oh thanks, Ferg. I mean, genuinely, I know we, I know we, uh, we chaps, you know, joke and have banter, but no, that genuinely um, means a lot. And I guess, I guess, because I'm making so little of it, I was able to, you know, be, mm. be a little bit braver. Because frankly, the risk like if it. if everyone hates it and um, 
and uh, I can't sell it. You know, the the financial hit uh, isn't isn't that bad. It'd be a dent to my pride, but you know, it's not too bad a financial hit. And I figured, well, there's no you know, get, go go big or go home. You know, um, there's there's what what I didn't want to do was make make a wine that everyone else is already making far better and more competently than I can. There's just no no point in that. So I thought, well, you know, shit will bust. If anything, I wondered if I should go you know full guns blazing and do a full-on georgian and leave it in there for six months because i think apparently what's meant to happen then is that you know the tannin profile and everything just uh, counterintuitively you know softens out and evens out with that sort of prolonged skin contact so maybe one year i'll be brave enough to do that i think you should but no genuinely i i like it there's a fruit profile there because what what scared me was i bought this from you and then and then you said just to warn you it's quite oxidized and then because lee and i were talking and i'd already tried um lee's wine so i i knew i had to i knew i had to have electron so that you know for for so that we could try both and i love electron that that wine uh sorry i love lee's wine yeah yeah well i was i was keeping the name a secret oh shit sorry 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 (laughs) um but i love i love that wine and i thought that was really cool and then i bought this and you're like oh yeah it's quite oxidative and i was worried that there'd be no fruit profile or anything like that but there is it's sort of like um it's a little bit of melon it's essentially a bit lemon melon rindy but quite but quite nice and then there's there's some softer sort of stonier fruit somewhere in there as well i i, I genuinely charcuterie cold hot day even sun outside bin two possibly do you have an outside terrace we do indeed yeah do indeed it's glorious as well what a a place to go and sit outside and and drink some of my time it's wonderful and we and we happen to sell yeah cheese and charcuterie do you with that i just thought about this (laughs) just you know talking about the shop and and this wine um the electron given Powley's exclusion principle, can you only have so many bottles of electron in a single space at the same time? Do you have to like move them around energy shells and shelving or? They actually keep falling off the shelves. They just push it. They, they, they just can't be put next to each other. Yeah. And, and is, it, is it, is it possible to know the volume that you have and their exact locations at the same time, or can you only know one or the other? No, they don't exist in the same space and time. So no, it, uh, but um, uh, the uh, um, people people won't be able to see the label that uh, Ferg was um, waving around. But it's an electron. I'll with, wave it around a bit more. There yeah, you go. Yeah. Um, Ooh, but yeah. it's electron with a K, which isn't me just being funky like cool cats. Um, so uh, that's the correct spelling. So electron is Greek for amber, uh, and as as anyone listening will know, I'm sure. Um, amber wine is you know is orange wine amber wine is you know kind of the more sort of um historic name i guess um i think you know i think in georgia they're quite keen that um it's known as amber wine and having sort of stolen some of their techniques i wanted to give a nod to that kind of heritage so yeah electron is um is greek for amber and it was named that way and it's got a a skull on it with lightning bolts coming out the eyes because uh greek legend has it that amber was formed when you're like this ferg bit of a bit i'm listening i'm enjoying Um, this so uh so (laughs) so phaeton stole zeus's chariot went too close to the sun zeus is a bit upset 
uh, knocked him out of the sky and killed him with a uh, with a thunderbolt. Um, Phaeton's sisters, uh, the Heliades, uh, were very upset and they started crying. And as their tears fell to the ground, they formed amber. So um, so that's why it's called Electron, and that it gave me an excuse to put a skull and lightning bolts on the uh, orange label. Uh, so that's all the excuse I needed. It's pretty bloody cool, isn't it? Oh, oh, I, I think so. I mean, it needs got, to be on a it's got, it's got light, lightning bolts and, and a skull. I <laughs> mean, it's, it's going to be cool. I mean, it's hardcore. <laughs> Damien, Damien Hurst to death. That's what we're saying. It's, <laughs> it's the kind of thing you get a tattoo of on your shoulder. Oh, well, I've got one. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't I got one yet. I covered up the name of my first son to put. No, no, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Um, well, I like it, you know, there's something else you said earlier, you know, which, which I think is really important about that connecting to consumers that all of your wines are, are easy to pronounce, which breaks down barriers. So I wanted here to talk about the Supernevi um, <laughs> that you've made. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. So this is um, so this is Solaris Supernova. So my, my first question to you, Mike, is. Um, how many special people change? How many lives are living strange? And, and where were you while we were getting high? <laughs> well, now uh, you say that I, I have a half-developed plan to uh, to take that wine, put it in can, and make it sparkling, so that it can be it. Sham, champagne supernova, but S H A M champagne. Oh, that's oh. so good. And we can run a we can run a, a sweepstake on whether uh, Oasis or Champagne take me to court first. <laughs> Who will get oh, their cease and desist? Oh, but can you imagine? Because that would mean you'd go in that rogues gallery they've got in Champagne. You could have <laughs> your can next to the you know Champagne Chanel. It's you. Fucking made it, mate. <laughs> too right. Well, you did, uh, well, no, well, that is because when they send you the cease and desist letter, you just go, okay, I'm sorry, and remove it. And it, and it reflects mm. that. I know the quote coming from Al Pacino, but I don't think it's his originally, which is, I used to pray to God for a bike, and then I realised God didn't work that way, so I stole a bike and prayed for forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That is genius. Well, those, those cease and desist letters from, from the Champenoise are hilarious. We got one from CRVC because one of our we made the mistake uh, on one of our back labels. We wrote the Champagne Grape Varieties, and you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed. So they sent us a letter with a picture of a little champenoise man, and I mean little champenoise man, looking and pointing at the back label of one of our bottles. Brilliant. <laughs> as if as if just saying, look, we saw the back of your Leslie's Reserve, and frankly, you need to change your phrasing, <laughs> wasn't enough. They needed little Francois with his bloody cafe creme sticky out of his mouth. It's quite nice. <laughs> to really complete that's, the look. That's quite a nice way of doing it, actually. I, I think I, <laughs> I'd be much was, more likely to acquiesce. Yeah, all right. Supernova. Um, I've dropped a couple of quotes here. I'm going to drop another quote from Nietzsche, mm. uh, which is, you must have chaos within you to give birth to a dancing star. Now, this is an exploding star, and I think we've yeah. seen that you have equal levels of chaos and creativity. Uh, so this is also obviously Solaris as the electron is, but but tell me a little bit more about the the, the supernova. What's, I'm, I'm holding, I'm doing a Ferg, I'm holding it to the camera now. So um, um, what's what's going on here? Well, super, supernova started as a control experiment. I'm um, 
I'm a little bit more kind of uh, geeky than I probably like to admit to anyone, myself included. But yes, it, so in 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 making the electron, which was a bit funky and out there, I wanted a control to see what how would Solaris behave if I you know, wasn't doing any of those things, and that that's how Supernova was born. And the intent was always that I was going to blend it into um, uh, electron. Um, so it's just uh, that that was fermented in in a neutral fermentation egg. So it's a speed or plastic speed or tank. So um, and it was just you know, put in there, had, uh, yeah, had had yeast studied um, and it, it just did its thing in that egg uh, fermented to dry. Uh, I racked it off and bottled it and that was that was it. So nothing else went near it. And then um, when uh, when we were tasting it, I thought, well, this, this is actually quite nice. And annoyingly, and I'm sure this is the same for everyone who makes a kind of geeky wine like Electron, annoyingly, everybody else much prefers the Supernova because it's sort of, well, you can say a bit about how you think it tastes, Lee, but it's a much more sort of friendly and recognisable um, crowd pleaser of a, of a wine. So annoyingly, the, the control experiment was much more popular, uh, but it gave life to another wine. And what, what I like is, uh, so the last fizzy bun bun that we've spoken about already was also made from the same batch of Solaris. So part of the experiment was, well, can this can this one sort of not, not much loved uh, hybrid grape variety uh, that most people don't think much of and it just gets you know typically you know puts in blends doesn't it um yeah could, could it make three very very different wines of very very different uh character so it's a, a an uncomplicated still white it's a funky georgian inspired orange wine and it's a pet nap um so same batch of grapes same treatment um uh, but you know three very different wines and yeah they so can... pack perfect for christmas for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the market's here there yeah 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 or, or hanukkah or any other religious or indeed non-religious holiday you may celebrate at any point throughout the 365 <laughs> days of the year knock yourself out oh man so tell me what you think what do you think I absolutely love this. From from the minute I pulled the cork on it, it was just it exploded out of the. It, this just literally leapt out of the glass. Well, not literally because I wasn't covered. It's not alive, but it leapt out of the glass, and it, it just sort of washed over me. So the, the first thing I got was like all this wonderful aromatic and kind of hedgerow and, and elderflower and summer flowers and acacia blossom and stuff like that, and then sort of sweet pea and honey blossom came into it, and then. I, I kind of had like this march of the fruits because it, the way I'm going to describe it makes it sound like it's jumbled up, but it isn't jumbled up. It's, it's quite strange for you, Mike, because it's perfectly ordered. Wow. So the first thing I got was this sort of like wonderful mm -hmm. kind of lime juice and lime zest, and then this really bright lemony thing. And then as those fruits sort of receded, I started to get some white peach and you know, green apple, white peach, some sort of something stony and something quite orangey out of it so I gave it to my my son to try and obviously I sent you the picture and my son's starting to articulate flavors in wines which is is wonderful he's only nine um he's been drinking wine for, for eight of, of those years but um you know the first thing he said he smelled it was marmalade like that was his thing it's like okay orangey and then the orange receded and I started to get kind of like melon and papaya and pineapple like fresh pineapple chunks not something that's come out of it like I've, I've cut up a pineapple and, and chunked it up uh, I got that, but running all the way through it all the time, like this really consistent through line of pink gate grapefruit and almost a hint of white pepper. And then on the palate, I think what amazed me about it, I was expecting this really big hit of acidity from the off because it's a still English white for a start, Solari. 
that acidity at first for me felt really low for the first sort of split seconds in my mouth I was like oh what's going on there and then it just built and it rose to a crescendo so you end up that really refreshing quite linear rapier like acidity but it grows and develops across the palate as you drink it it's not an instant thing and that gives this wine real texture and dynamic um it's electrifying it's like every tasting i go back and i've read all the tasting notes i've written for all the wines that you've made that i've been lucky to try you know the, the back to the jammy git and the busy bum bums i've had and i always use the word fun and i sometimes worry that that might sound like a like it's an easy oh, it's no, a fun no, wine. No. So it, it, it's not intended that way i think that's a really positive thing to say about a wine and i, and I say it fully positively um because it's it, it is a you know a nice thing to say about a wine and i intend it that way this, oh well, thanks, mate. I mean, it should fun be fun and bright, and and sorry, I've got you. It's wonderful, Mike. It's oh, uh, mate, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm properly made up, and uh, I'm. It makes it totally worth my admission fee, uh, and uh, I've got your bank account details saved for the next wines that I release. But no, that's thank um, you. those are really kind words. Thank you. I'm, I'm, yeah, absolutely made up with um, with that, and I'm pleased that you spoke about the kind of explosion thing because um. Mm that's that's why it's been named supernova so it's got it's got the reference to you know solar again you know, you know the names all kind of you know try and refer back in some way to um to the grape and to the sun um and uh yeah and that that's what struck me when i first tasted just this kind of explosion of uh of fruit so hence you know supernova exploding exploding star um so no you, uh, i'm well crikey thank you no, really, it's, um, I really, it, it's, enjoyed it. it it's fabulous. i really love it when Lee talks, when he gets his tasting note on, wow. <laughs> he's so good. He's so eloquent. Yeah. And look at that. I've done two two compliments in a row. I'll follow it up with, um, it's so strange, though, that it comes from such a total wanker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's released attention. In the you, I think you, you, all, you, all know, you all know I am an MW, don't you, Lee Isaacs, MW? A massive wine. <laughs> massive wine. Yeah, there we go. Um, but no, it's almost I, like it's... I've done that joke before somewhere, or oh, yeah. it's so obvious. No, no, I just, no, I just no. made the link straight away. <laughs> <laughs> but no, listening to Lee talk about wine is 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 one of life's great pleasures. I really love when he gets onto a onto a wine. It is a real, it's a real joy to listen to. I wish I could be half as eloquent. Well, so so do I. I um basically I, I I'm going to listen to this podcast and record everything that lee just said because i i couldn't describe my wine half as well and it just goes to show that you know lee has got the chops hasn't he yeah but behind, oh, behind we've got, we got the chops behind the humor and the uh tomfoolery uh he's got serious wine chops doesn't he and i'm bound to say that now that he said something nice about my wine you know he is a he is a, a well full-on expert you know i really respect his view there's absolutely yeah. no need for any of this. I've nothing but pleasant to you this evening. Right this <laughs> is utterly uncalled for. Oh, wow. We really like and respect you, Lee, as, 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 a, as a person and as a wine professor. Look, normally I have to pay people to say that, and it's late at night and I'm stuck in Soho, right? So... Um, <laughs> oh, man. Um, no, this and is, this um, is wine knowledge as well, which just blows me away. Sake. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's just also is just kindness and warmth. I mean, it's quality as a human being. I mean, it's mm. uh, you yeah. didn't. I, I'm the one who edits this. I'm just going to cut all <laughs> of this out and, and forget it. Massively underrated though is is that 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 human element in in Lee and how yeah. how 
you know, he walks into a room and people Fuck, just, you were gonna do a people just like him. Yeah, yeah, moral, yeah, his, his, moral, his moral core as well. I mean, he's just someone I look up to and, yeah, it's an impossible standard to set myself. But I, I just hope that one day I can be a bit more like Lee. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I actually sometimes buy floral shirts just in the hope that and then I try them on, them. And, I, and then I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, I'm, but I'm not worthy of I, this uh, shirt. I I, in, I I do something similar to that, but I just steal these shirts uh, from his washing machine and smell them. Can I leap, uh, can I leap back? Um, just the, the name that I've given to my little winemaking endeavour, just to get that out there, just because it makes me happy. Uh, no, you've not asked, but you're going to get it anyway. So it's um, uh, Howl and Grappa, which I think is actually cr uh, correctly uh, pronounced something more like Howl and Grappa, and it's Cornish for uh, sun and grape. And it, it again links back to that trip to McLarenville in Tasmania. When in Tasmania, I met a great guy at uh, Joseph Cromie. He was their winemaker at the time, a chap called Jeremy Dundeen, and really hit it off with him. And we were just chatting away. And um, and somehow we got onto this thing about how people just overcomplicate um, wine. And I don't mean to say that I know it's a big debate about well, wine is complex. It is. Wine is complex, but people often people often overcomplicate it. It's complex, undeniably and objectively, but people tend to overcomplicate it, I think. And he just came up with a fantastic quote that just summed it up for me. And he said, at the end of the day, wine is just sun, uh, wine is just sunshine filtered through a grape. And I just love that. It may not be technically accurate. I can see Fergus is, you know, dialogue no, going, no, no. oh, no. Um, but I, I just loved it as a philosophy and as a bit of kind of poetry. So, so I carried that back and that's what's driven the, uh, the name, you know, Hole and Grappa, uh, Sun and Grape. And, uh, you know, just trying to kind of keep it simple and, you know, reflect just a little bit of sunshine. You know, that's it really. That's the idea behind it. I love, I love that, it. No. That's, yeah. Was it, was it Turner like... who said the sun is God, I think? Um, How do and there's a huge historical precedent. A quote for everything. For that. Because I don't know anything. I, I know nothing of use. I, there's, there's another quote from, uh, it's Oscar Wilde, and he says, you know, nobody's actually themselves. Everybody's just carrying around a collection of quotes that other people have said, and they use that in order to give themselves the illusion of having a personality. Uh, and I've turned that into an art form and indeed a career. But, you know, everything happens here because of the everything, everything we eat is just the sun's own energy converted into something else. <laughs> what we should probably do is find a way to bring this to a conclusion. So I'm, I'm gonna lead that very simply by saying, Mr. Mike Boyne, uh, commander of the armies in the North and the Phoenix Legions, uh, and loyal servant to the true emperor, um, Owen Elias. It's been an absolute pleasure to, as I knew it would be, because you and I haven't sort of spoken in this sort of face-to-face -face for, for quite a while, you live in Cornwall, I, I don't. Um, but whenever I interact with you, whether it's on Twitter or face to face, it's uh, just a, a life affirming experience. And I come out of the back of it going, oh, things aren't as bad as I thought they were. And you just I just feel so full of joy and everything seems a bit brighter. You're a really busy guy. You're running one of the UK's best independent wine merchants. You're making wine. You've got a vineyard. You've been at Lang and you're doing all sorts. So for you to find the time uh, to come in and you have a family you know, to, to find the time to come in and do this um, is incredibly kind and generous of you. Obviously, your street cred, uh, what what little you did have, is now ruined completely. Oh, that's right. It's only ruined with my mum because she's <laughs> the only person who will listen. <laughs> yeah, my, stock, my stock was up here after kind of two days at Langham's and now it's back back to back and, to where it belongs. It's leveled up. And, 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 down to earth and, again. And, uh, and um, Mrs. I, Mrs. Fergus likes tanners anyway, so <laughs> it, was a, it was a losing battle, wasn't it? 
Oh, you are never going to win this one. Oh, man. Well, hey, listen, thank you for those um, kind uh, words. They're ridiculously generous. It's been fun hanging out, and um, you've both been yeah, great supporters, Lee, for a long time, and you know, for more recently, and uh, uh, really appreciate it. And and I think I think I was messaging you in my darkest hours where I just felt like setting light to my new small micro winery and walking away from it. And, uh, and you just, you know, offered up a few kind, warm, encouraging you know, words that just, I don't know, it, you and others, but you know, you in particular and, uh, and Tommy were my kind of late night confidants when I just thought this is shit, what have I done it? This is a massive mistake. So um, yeah, thank you for, um, for all your support. Thank you for having me on here. I don't know that anyone's going to get, anything of value from what i've said but it's been great fun you know hanging out with you guys thank you thank you right. and cheers it's been an absolute hoot sonte oh, cheers chaps hello cheers see you soon literally Bye. no one can see this it's it's, an, it's a podcast huge thanks to mike boyne from bin two and howland grapper for joining us here at the maker and the merchant Head to bin2.com to secure a bottle or two of Mike's fabulous wines. In our next episode, Fergus will guide us through the end of the 2022 vintage and how everything in the winery is looking now the juice is in tank, and I will cover off the Chapoutier en Primeur tasting and Bamfrey retrospective. We'll also be tasting a couple of wines in our regular This Week I Have Mostly Been Drinking feature. Please share your thoughts and questions for Fergus and me by emailing us at themakerandthemerchant at gmail.com or finding us on the socials. Cheers.